0: Hello! Welcome to the Harmony and Healing Podcast, a podcast about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care through health and wellness. I'm Jazzy Piggott. A tuba player, composer, certified personal trainer, writer, educator, and podcaster coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland. Today I'll be talking all about sleep, how much you should get, benefits of enough sleep, consequences of sleep deprivation, sleep hygiene, and prioritizing sleep. So if you've been listening for a while, or you're a podcast completist, you may remember episode 7, which also talked about sleep. At the middle of the semester, I felt like it was important to readdress the importance of proper sleep. I also started reading a somewhat terrifying book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker, which has further opened my eyes to the importance of sleep and the true cost of sleep deprivation. So I'm going to start by framing the sleep guidelines. The Sleep Foundation recommends a full seven to nine hours of sleep for adults 18 and older. To figure out if you're getting enough sleep or quality sleep, determine how much you're getting and reflect on how you feel. Are you happy, healthy, and productive? Do you rely on caffeine? Does your sleep change depending on the time that you have in your schedule? Benefits of getting enough sleep. When we get our full seven to nine hours of sleep, there are a ton of benefits because sleep is one of the most productive things that we can do. So the first benefit is reduced stress. Sleep and stress are highly correlated. People who sleep less tend to feel more stressed and vice versa. Then you have a better mood. In one study, people who slept less than eight hours were seen as highly irritable and angry. Along those guidelines, there was another study done where... They had some people sleep for five hours and some people sleep for eight hours, and then they rated their level of attractiveness. And the people who slept longer were rated significantly more attractive than those who slept shorter. So that's another uh, good reason to get enough sleep. Anyways, you will also have better social interactions. Poor sleep leads to poor social interactions because you have difficulty perceiving others' emotions. And this becomes from cognitive function. So if you get your seven to nine hours of sleep, you will have better cognitive function. Sleep improves memory, productivity, and performance. Sleep deprivation does the opposite. Next, we have a reduced chance of illness. People who slept less than seven hours are three times more likely to catch the common cold when exposed to the virus. So in COVID era, it's very important to get your sleep to avoid catching coronavirus. Even though things are kind of calming down now and we're going back to normal, it's still really important. And then finally, getting enough sleep will give you more energy to make better choices. It's very easy to skip exercise and eating healthy when you're sleep-deprived and tired. If you're well-rested, it'll be easier to exercise, and you will naturally make healthier choices. And I will get to the consequences of sleep deprivation as far as healthy choices in a little bit. So these are all the benefits of getting proper sleep. So again, that's seven to nine hours of sleep a night, not less than seven. And when we fail to get seven hours of sleep a night, we end up falling into sleep deprivation. In Why We Sleep, Dr. Walker discussed how there is a higher chance that you be struck by lightning than be someone who can survive on less than seven hours of sleep. In several studies, he concluded that sleeping only six hours for a week had the same effects on cognition and memory loss that pulling an all-nighter did. I know it's very common for people to think that, oh yeah, I'm getting my four to five hours of sleep a night and I can really function on this, but that's going to catch up to you. One reason is because of adenosine in your brain. Adenosine is the chemical or the hormone Responsible for making you feel sleepy. And throughout the day, your brain produces it. And the more you have, the more tired you're going to feel. Overnight, your brain works on getting rid of it. So if you go to bed, it takes about eight hours to get rid of the adenosine from the day. If you end up waking up early, however, there's still adenosine left over from yesterday. And then there's the adenosine your body is again continuously producing throughout the day. So that creates a sleep debt. Now, sleep deprivation is very, very dangerous actually. When you're sleep deprived, you enter stages of microsleep where you will fall asleep for two to three seconds and you're not able to control your motor skills or perceive sensory things around you. This is just enough to cause a serious car accident. Approximately 6,000 fatal car accidents a year are caused by drowsy driving. And one in 25 Americans per month say that they fell asleep at the wheel. In this way, drowsy driving is actually more risky than drunk driving. In the book, there was another statistic that he cited. I think it was about every 30 seconds there is a car accident caused by drunk driving or drowsy driving. The 6,000 is fatal car accidents, but drowsy driving is responsible for non-fatal car accidents all the time. And as we're on the topic of driving and car accidents, there tends to be an uptick in car accidents the week the clocks turn back because of the hour of sleep lost from daylight savings time. So that will be this weekend. So be extra cautious this week on the road. Because that hour of sleep really does have an effect on people. And if you have the opportunity to, just sleep in. Don't worry about the time on Sunday. Just sleep in as much as you can. Wake up and then deal with the jet lag later. Now, there are several other effects highlighted by Johns Hopkins sleep researcher, Dr. Patrick Finnan. Now, I'll just list these off. With less than seven hours of sleep, you are three times more likely to catch a cold. You have a 36% increase in cancer risk. You have an increased risk for high blood pressure, a 48% increase in risk of developing heart disease. 33% increase in dementia risk. A greater risk for depression, irritability, anxiety, forgetfulness, and brain fog. You have a three times increase in your type 2 diabetes risk. And finally, you are at a 50% higher risk for obesity. Now that is because when you are sleep deprived, you have more cravings for unhealthy food, and then you tend to eat more. That's because you have higher levels of the hunger hormone ghrelin and lower levels of the appetite control suppressant hormone leptin. So with more ghrelin to tell you that you're hungry all the time, you keep eating, and without leptin to tell you that you're full, you still keep eating. And that issue is responsible for an additional 70,000 calories consumed a year. And when you do the math on that, that's about 10 to 15 pounds of weight gain every single year. So if these statistics don't make you nervous about getting enough sleep, I'm not sure what will. Because I know me personally, when I was reading this book, I was doing it on my long run and I was just like sitting there like, oh my God. This is terrifying. That's why I'm trying to get enough sleep now, because if I don't, I don't wanna fall victim to all these things, especially being a former weight loser, where like I can gain back the weight on a whim. So I don't wanna risk sleeping less and then having sleep be responsible for the return of my obesity. So now that we know the risks of not getting enough sleep and have being sleep deprived, and then the benefits of getting good sleep, Let's talk about sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is the way you prepare at night to set you up for the next day. Let me say that again in a different way. The way you prepare at night sets you up for the next day. Your sleep determines how much or how productive your day the next day will be. So having good sleep hygiene means having behaviors that promote consistent, uninterrupted sleep. Because you can get seven to nine hours of sleep, but if it's seven to nine hours of poor quality sleep, you're not gonna have the benefits that rapid eye motion sleep does have, which happens later in the night and only if you are through the deep phases of sleep. So getting seven to nine hours of 50% quality sleep is about the equivalent of just sleeping three hours a night. So sleep hygiene is very important. So here are some tips to develop good sleep hygiene. One, create a set bedtime and wake time. Go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. And yes, that includes weekends. This sets your body's circadian rhythm right. Your circadian rhythm is the internal clock your body has to determine when it's time to go to bed, when it's time to wake up, when it's time to eat, etc. So when you create a set bedtime and wake time, just make sure it's something you can stick to. And don't worry about, again, the weekends. So I know that my set bedtime, it will be 10 o'clock at night, and my wake time will be 7am. So that sets me up for a good nine hours of sleep. And... I try to stick with that all the time. On weekends, I might push it back an hour, so it'll be 11 to 8. But at the same time, I'm still making sure that I get my nine hours of sleep every single night. And before, I was like, oh my gosh, that's too much. I could be doing work with all this time. But the improvements in my cognition throughout the day and just my wakefulness and my energy have definitely paid off for making the time that I am awake a lot more productive by getting that nine hours of sleep. So again, that tip was to create a set bedtime and wake time and stick to it. Next, you're going to want to create a bedtime routine or ritual. So this should be something that you look forward to every single day. It should be like, ooh, I get to sit down and read that novel that I can't read throughout the day. Sit down with the candlelight, or maybe you get to write in a journal. Maybe you listen to a podcast while like fixing your bed or cleaning your room, or you wash dishes, and that's therapeutic for you for some reason, but just make it something that you look forward to, and something that doesn't involve screens or very really bright lights, because screens and bright lights will actually actually ruin your circadian rhythm. So find a bedtime routine or ritual that is significant for you, that allows you to truly wind down to get ready for sleep, because then your body will actually be ready for sleep. It's similar to when you start practicing or when you start exercising, there's usually a warm-up period before your body is ready to attempt to do the things you want it to do. And you need this warm-up period to get into the proper state for exercise or for playing your instrument. Winding down is the same thing. You should do this about an hour before you go to bed. Next, save the bed for sleep. It's very tempting to do a lot of different things in your bed, such as reading a book or writing in your journal or scrolling the depths of social media or watching Netflix. There's so many things people do in the bed, but the bed is for sleep and for sex. And that is it. When you establish this relationship with the bed, it'll make it so when you get into the bed, it'll be easier for you to fall asleep because that's what your body associates it with. It's no longer associating being awake and just talking to people or like doing stuff on your phone because your body knows, oh, when I'm in here, that means it's time for me to go to bed. So I'm going to go to bed. Next is to establish a cutoff time from work and social media. So I'm gonna do another boundaries episode, like I'm repeating this episode about sleep, I think I should do boundaries soon. But if you wanna check it out, boundaries was episode two. But you wanna set boundaries from your work and your social media. You do not wanna be checking your work and social media right before hopping to bed. So for me, my boundary for social media and for work is usually eight. And if I can't do eight for some reason, because I'm just, I don't know, still stuck on my email, it's nine the latest. At that time, I shut off my email. I make sure that I have that thing on my phone where it doesn't let me open the app anymore. And I just don't touch it because work and social media can create little stresses that might keep you up in the evening. So you want to avoid that as much as possible. You deserve to have a good non-anxiety filled night of sleep. And if you find some like important work meeting just came out of nowhere and you're thinking about that all night, you're not going to get good sleep. So set a boundary and establish a cutoff time from your work and your social media. In addition to this, I try not to schedule meetings or rehearsals past 8 p.m. And people just know that that's something I do right now. Sometimes I don't have a choice and I have to do that and I have to kind of shift things. But at the same time, I know that 8 p.m. is a last resort time for a rehearsal or anything. That's when I'm sitting down. I'm talking to Andre for the night. Then at 9 o'clock, screens off. I'm reading a book. 9.30 p.m. I'm in my bed. I'm writing in my journal. 10 o'clock at night. The lights are off. I'm going to bed. The next tip is to dim the lights or and or use blue light blocking glasses. Like I briefly mentioned before, having bright lights and blue light in your face, blue light is the light that you get from screens, you will offset your circadian rhythm because it appears to be like the sun for your body and your body doesn't know the difference between the types of light. So dimming the lights, will get your body in the mood because, oh, it's like sunset. It's time to go to bed. Things are dark. When, I'm dark. when things are dark, I fall asleep. And then blue light blocking glasses, it blocks those blue light rays that really simulate sunlight to your, your brain. I tend to put these on usually around sunset, if not by 8 p.m. if I have to be looking at a screen still. And I find that they do help because when you have that blue light exposed, your sleep actually ends up being lighter because your body is still thinking that, oh, it was just daytime and you're trying to make me go to sleep. So I'm not going to put in all the quality that I can. So blue light blocking glasses have been very significant in enhancing the quality of my sleep. And now before I was at like 70% quality, and now with my sleep app i'm at 90% quality so they really do help me and it allows me to continue to use screens rather than just being forced to kind of turn them off cuz sometimes you have an ebook to read and you know you don't want to turn off your ebook but other times maybe you have a physical book and if you don't have a physical book and you want to read an ebook before bed blue that blocking glasses The next tip is to not consume caffeine too late in the afternoon. So let me get into how caffeine works because caffeine works in a very interesting way. So I mentioned this before briefly, but throughout the day, your body produces adenosine and that's the hormone responsible for the feeling of sleepiness. What caffeine does is it binds to the adenosine receptors in the brain, preventing you from feeling sleepy. But even though the caffeine has binded to those receptors and is blocking them, the adenosine that your brain is producing does not stop getting produced. So that creates that giant caffeine crash that you will sometimes have because it happens when the effects of the caffeine wear off And all the adenosine from before the caffeine and the adenosine you produce during the effects of the caffeine will hit you all at once. One study has shown that consuming caffeine six hours before bed reduced sleep time by one hour. And that can be the difference between having a really good night of sleep or being sleep deprived. Another interesting thing to note about caffeine is that your body builds up a tolerance to it. So eventually the same amount of your morning coffee every day will no longer have a strong effect on you unless you keep increasing the amount. So I personally go through periods where I end up upping my caffeine intake and my tolerance like really high, like I'll start with one cup and then one cup's not enough. So I'll start with one and a half cups and I'll go to two cups and then it's three cups And then when it hits four cups is when I'm like, oh, God, this is too much coffee, because then I'm like peeing all the time and it's a problem. So I have to go cold turkey and I go cold turkey just because for me, it's easier than trying to find a way to consume decaf or just start consuming less because I'm just kind of addicted to the taste of coffee. So these cold turkey periods I will go through for several weeks and it will get me back to my base levels of functioning without caffeine. So then when I do start consuming caffeine again, even little amounts will actually have an effect on my productivity and my energy levels. So I encourage everybody to cycle through caffeine. Don't just continually drink the same amounts every single day because then that just becomes your norm. So cycling through will allow it to actually have the effect. Unless you just really like the taste of coffee like I do, then like enjoy the coffee Like, coffee's really good, so I can't say anything wrong about that, but just be wary that caffeine will build up a tolerance in your body, and it does have these effects. Do not drink it after, I say, 1 p.m. to not drink caffeine after, and I think that's usually a good rule, because I know if I drink caffeine after 1 o'clock at night, like, I'm just sitting in the bed... And I'll be sitting there and my mind is racing and I'm just thinking about everything. And even though it was more than six hours before, I'm still just kind of like I can't get myself to fall asleep because my mind is just racing. So again, yeah, um, caffeine, it's good because it helps you increase your productivity, but it's bad because you build a tolerance to it. It creates a caffeine crash and it will keep you up at night. So think about caffeine before you consume it. And then my final tip for developing good sleep hygiene is to avoid large meals and exercise two to three hours before bed. This goes back to the conversation I had about circadian rhythm because your body creates this natural clock in response to environmental stimuli and what your internal clock wants to do. So usually they say once you wake up, consume something within 30 minutes to kind of solidify your body's natural clock. And then you want to make sure You're not eating two to three hours before bed because as your body is digesting that food within the two to three hours before bed, it will keep you up at night because your body wants to digest the food, not sleep at that time. And then exercising two to three hours before bed is also not really a good idea because it gets your heart rate up and it gets you going and your body just kind of wants to keep going, but you know, you got to sleep. So try to avoid that. Before bed as well. So now we have prioritizing sleep and how to do that. So, the first step in prioritizing your sleep is again scheduling your bedtime, your wake time, and your wind down time and creating boundaries around those where you really just do not answer an email, you do not check your social media, you do not answer that text from that person you don't like. You just actually create that boundary for yourself and you don't waver from it. So for me, my wind down time starts at eight and my true wind down time starts at nine. So for me, my work cutoff time is usually around 8 p.m., if not 9 p.m., then my true wind down time starts around nine o'clock where I'm in my bedroom, I'm sitting on my bean bag, I'm reading a book, I've minimized the usage of screens, wearing my blue light glasses, And then my bedtime where I will be asleep and in bed is 10 o'clock at night. And then I make sure I wake up at 7 a.m. I've been pretty bad about that. I get to that later. But I will try to wake up by 7 a.m. And I know that I have my set seven to nine hours of sleep because that is approximately nine hours of sleep. And I found that when I get less than nine hours of sleep, I am a different person. So nine hours of sleep is my golden number, but you might me need seven hours of sleep. You're not going to want less than seven hours, but if you can function just fine on seven hours, that's a good thing. So schedule your bedtime, wake time, and wind down time. Next, treat sleep as the number one activity to make your next day successful. The way you prepare at night sets you up for the day ahead. If you have a great night of sleep, you're probably going to have a great day the next day because you're going to be energetic, you're going to be lively, you're going to be ready to put in effort, you're going to be productive, your brain isn't going to be brain foggy, everything's just going to go really well. And similarly, realize that sleep is more self-care than another episode of your favorite show. A lot of people will put off sleep because, oh, the evening is time for myself and I get to enjoy stuff like watching TV or doing something else. But watching one episode of Friends rather than getting another half hour of sleep is probably not the best thing because the sleep will benefit you in the long run. Watching Friends, like it might make you feel good in the moment, but then you're missing out on valuable sleep that will make you less productive the next day and you're going to kind of regret it. So for true self-care, just realize that prioritizing sleep is the number one thing you can do. Next, make your evening routine something you look forward to. I mentioned this in my tips for good sleep hygiene, but if you have something you're looking forward to in the evening, for me it's reading my books, then you're more likely to want to wind down and you want to shut off the social media and the work and turn down the lights and just kind of sit there with yourself and just be happy. But again, don't make your wind down routine watching TV or something. Just do something relaxing away from screens. Like it used to be for me listening to a podcast. And then I had reading and then sometimes cleaning my room also cleaning the chinchilla cage for me because the chinchillas are you know my little babies so I have to make sure I take care of them and they don't involve screens so it's always good and sometimes they're really cute and fluffy other times they don't like me anyways so yes uh, make your evening routine something you look forward to so that you're more likely to do it and actually wind down properly Next, avoid scheduling meetings too close to bedtime. I've been pretty good about this recently. I used to not be good about it. But you don't want to have a meeting that's like an hour before your wind down time, because if something bad goes down in that meeting or they hold you over for some reason, you're not going to be happy. So when you have like a bad meeting, it might make you anxious. And then if you're trying to wind down, it's going to be all you think about. So I make sure I don't have a meeting, usually past 8 o'clock. Sometimes this is unavoidable, so 8 o'clock is the latest I will have a meeting. And you need to make sure, again, that you make a boundary and you stick to it. If you don't rehearse or go to a meeting at after 8 PM or after 9 PM, then don't do it. Don't. Like make any excuses for like one meeting, just say, sorry, I'm not available when that doodle comes out. You're not available because that is your time to prioritize for sleep because that makes you more productive for the people in the meeting in the future. And the final tip for prioritizing sleep is to utilize your phone's do not disturb and downtime features. This most recent update on Apple incorporated this little sleep function and like functions where you can set little do not disturbs based on what apps you're using or what time of day it is, because if it's work, you don't want to be scrolling Facebook. So there's so many little features that you have on your phone to make this easier for you. When you use the sleep or the downtime function on your phone, it will block the apps you tell it to block. So then you can't be caught on them past a certain time so my email shuts off around nine o'clock and that is it I just don't open the email app because then the thing is gray and it's like hey you you said you didn't want to go on your email this late at night so why are you trying to do that and then it makes you think about it and you're like you know what I did say that so maybe I shouldn't go on my email after 8 p.m or 9 p.m so use those features because they're very great features. Because it allows you to have some sort of barrier between accessing the things you might compulsively access before bed that might make your night even worse. One of them is the news. Avoid the news before bed. <laughs> just just do it because if you like hear something about maybe this war in Ukraine or The pandemic that's going to get you down and anxious right before bed, you're not going to sleep very well. So just like avoid the news, avoid the news, avoid social media, avoid work, just focus on the moment, the here and now, and then deal with all that in the morning. So that concludes the information portion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that it was informative for you. I know, again, it is kind of a repeat episode, but I think people need to hear this right now more than ever. So thank you for listening to that. So with that, I'm going to move on to Roses, Buds, and Thorns. Roses, Buds, and Thorns is a segment I do to cultivate a level of authenticity and gratitude because, hey, I am human and not everything goes great. And hey, even when things aren't going great, there's always something that I can be looking forward to or happy about in the moment. So, a rose is something good that happened, a thorn is something bad that happened, and a bud is something that you are looking forward to. So, for this week, my thorn um, on the topic of sleep is I've actually been sleeping too much, and I have not been productive in the mornings. I've been hitting snooze for like an hour maybe an hour and a half. Like I just keep sitting in bed and not really doing anything. And then when I do get up, I'm just kind of aimlessly walking around or I'm reading the book that I was supposed to save for my wind down time. So I've just been really bad about making sure that I am using my morning time productively because the nine hours is enough sleep for me. I shouldn't need more than nine hours of sleep. So me sitting in bed, hitting snooze for that 10th hour is kind of problematic because there are accidentally actually some detrimental effects for getting too much sleep, too. Um, One of them is depression. I yeah, depression. Um, But yeah, so that's my thorn. It's been a time recently with the, the snooze. I've been getting better this week where I've been only hitting it for half an hour, so This week, it's half an hour. Next week, it's going to be 15 minutes. And then finally, the week after that is going to be seven on the dot. I'm not going to sit in the bed past seven. And I am very excited for that time because then I'll have more time to do things. So that's my thorn. Yes, I've been sleeping too much and have not been productive. And again, I'm using my wind down time books to kind of get me settled in the morning. But then because it's a wind down time book, I'm not really ready for the day because it kind of puts me to sleep. So I shouldn't be doing that. So that's my thought. My rose is that I have started rereading the novels that I wrote back in high school and middle school. For most people who don't know, I wrote nine novels back in starting in eighth grade uh, through about senior year. And they're all interesting, I would say. Okay, they're very interesting. I can't put them down. There are things that I probably won't publish anytime soon because most of them need to be rewritten. But it's just been really nice to go back and see what the me from 10 years ago was thinking as far as writing, because creative writing used to be such a huge part of my life. And I kind of dropped that as things got busier and I got into these degrees and I'm stuck. I'm not stuck. I'm being a professional tubist now while getting a DMA. So all this stuff has prevented me from creative writing. But going back and reading all these stories and just remembering all these fiction worlds that I created is kind of making me feel happier and more at peace. It's giving me something to look forward to because that's my wind down time and my morning time. But it's really nice for me to go and do this. And it makes me want to start writing again. So over the summer, I'm probably going to start rewriting one of these books so I can eventually get it published. Because again, they're good stories. They just need help, especially the 8th grade one, with a lot of grammatical errors. But yeah, so that's my rose this week, rereading all of my novels. And then my bud, I am looking forward to spring because the clocks are turning back this weekend and there's going to be warmer weather. This past weekend, it was like 80 degrees, so I got to go on a nice long run. I accidentally upped my intensity too much, though, because I went from just running 5Ks for the last two to three months and then suddenly doing an eight mile run with a 5K the day after and my legs were not happy. But with this warmer weather, I'm very excited to just get back into more of a routine of running because over the winter, I was just like, it's too cold to go out. I don't want to do this. I hate it. So having the warmer weather will make that more enjoyable for me. And then it will make the walks a lot better. And then that extra hour of sunlight will just make me feel better because I don't have to be like hiding in the streets of Baltimore after 6 p.m. Like I was, even though it's not it's not dangerous here. It's not like it really isn't In, in this area, at least. So I'm just being paranoid. But having that daylight for that extra hour will enable me to feel more secure going out at night on walks. So I'm very excited for that. So again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or uh, and or tell your friends and your family about this episode. other music students you may know, because sleep's important and everybody should be getting sleep. So find a way to make sure that they do. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. My email is pig at, at gmail.com. And all my social media will be covered in the outro. So have a great week. Get some good seven to nine hours of sleep. And I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at The Jazzy Tubist on both Facebook and Instagram. And at my website, jasminepigot.com. I'll see you next Thursday mm mm-hmm.